You're listening to the Eat With Grace podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Jackie Neinheis, registered dietitian and professor of culinary medicine. And I am your co-host, Brooke Fredrickson, registered dietitian and certified diabetes care and education specialist. And we are here to challenge a culture around food and nutrition from a biblical perspective. Welcome to the Eat With Grace podcast. Today we are going to be talking about inflammation and when we're when I say inflammation we're going to be talking about how foods specifically maybe cause inflammation. There is some messaging out in the media. I see it a lot on social media and in certain dietary circles um, where they say that we should avoid all seed oils. That seed oils are bad. Um, and when I say seed oils it's uh, like vegetable oils. So that would be soybean oil, canola oil, you know, sunflower oil, those kind of things. And they say that they're toxic to us. They say that they cause inflammation, uh, that we should avoid them at all costs. And therefore we should go and only eat those, um, I would say maybe lower processed oils. So we're gonna talk about that today. Um, we're gonna talk about what we think about that messaging, if there is any truth to it. Um, maybe what some of the theories are behind it and how how do we apply that to our lives practically? Are there certain fats that we should avoid? Are there certain ones that we should increase in our diet? And so we'll start with that. So Jackie, why don't you go ahead and tell me what your thoughts are on seed oils specifically? Okay, seed oils are really interesting because it's like the cottonseed oil, rapeseed oil, which is also known as canola oil, uh, sunflower oil, soybean oil, corn oil. So all of these different vegetable oils, which we were told in the past, we need to increase oversaturated fats. Now that message, I think is still a good message. I think that increasing those um, types of oils and decreasing saturated fats is not a bad idea. But the problem comes in now, we're looking at all of those polyunsaturated fats as causing inflammation. And what about the monounsaturated fats, which typically has seen as the most positive types that decrease uh, coronary heart disease. Now coronary heart disease is caused by an inflammation. Arthritis is caused by inflammation. If we wanted to define what inflammation is, I think of it as the natural aging process. You know, our, our cells just get a little bit older and they get a little bit, like our joints might get a little swollen from arthritis, that's inflammation. Our arteries might get a little bit less exercised, less elastic a little bit hardened and that is caused by inflammation. So this inflammation is a very normal part of aging like wrinkles and gray hair and all of those. And what happens in the body is that um, different kinds of things that our body's exposed to create these um, free radicals and the free radicals cause inflammation. And so there are things that are antioxidants, which we can find in a lot of our fruits and vegetables, that when we eat them, they seem to bind with the free radicals and prevent some of the inflammation. Mm -hmm. So one of the big areas in research right now is figuring out, well, what is causing this inflammation? I think Ponce de Leon was looking for the fountain of youth. 
what he was really looking for is how to decrease inflammation in the body. But he didn't really know those terms because we didn't have them at that time. But the fountain of youth would be how to decrease inflammation. So one of the things that's come under attack are the seed oils. Now, um, the seed oils have a high amount of omega-6 fatty acids in it, meaning that when you look at the chemical structure, there are six different um, fatty acid strands there. And when you look at the omega-3 fatty acids, there are just three of them. Well, the significance there is that the omega-3 seems to be a protector against heart disease, whereas the omega-6s, they seem to make things worse as far as inflammation. And so the question comes down to, you know, what is the recommendation? And one of the recommendations that I have seen most often is to look at your percentage. So then they're saying, okay, look at your overall diet, like how it is right now, make sure that you have um, a good ratio or a low ratio of omega-6 fatty acids to omega-3 fatty acids. Well, that's something that when we talk about pushing back on the culture, that's one of the things that we have talked about in our podcast a lot. Like, do we have to go to the chemical level to examine all of our foods to see which foods we should eat or not eat? And our answer has always been no, because that destroys what God meant for us for our food and for good health. We are stressing out over these omega-6 fatty acids, these seed oils, that stress is causing more inflammation than probably the seed oils because stress is another big factor in inflammation. So we come back to this whole subject, not that we don't wanna delve deep into it and look at it because it's interesting to us, but we don't wanna get caught up in it either. Well, and I think, so one of the main arguments in it, because you see this, you know, avoid seed oils and our ratios gotten off because of modern agriculture, right? We've gone to these like main crops that we grow in our country. And one way to use them and to use them efficiently is that, you know, we break them down into different things. And so corn, you know, some of it goes to make feed for cattle. Some of it goes to make grain for humans. And then the fat goes to make oil for humans. And so we've kind of created these these oils or these fats in our diets that probably didn't exist 200 years ago, um, you know, or before, you know, modern agriculture learned how to expel those fats from those products. And so, yeah, the, the ratio in the human diet between those omega-3s and omega-6s used to be a lot lower because we got most of our fat intake from naturally occurring sources. Now that we have, you know, all of this progress and technology that has brought us to this place where now we have, you know, I don't know how many oils are on the market, different types, probably 20, if not more different types of oils that we can get. Um, and they all have different nutrient profiles. They all offer something different. They're all processed in different ways that, yeah, there those ratios of the omega-3 to omega-6 are making a difference in our diet. Um, and I think that's one of the main arguments behind it is that we should go back to how we were eating before. Now, <clears throat> you know, from a biblical perspective, perspective, is is that how we should be doing it? Should we be going back to more of those naturally occurring fats that maybe God provided in our diet and not eating as many of these um, man-made fats? I think that's one argument that is that is plausible. 
Um, the other thing is, again, I like to look at food technology kind of in a similar way as like modern medicine. Um, just because man has created these things and um, has found ways to utilize them doesn't mean they're bad for us. You know, it's not like an automatic, they're bad for us because they do provide some benefit. We know that unsaturated fats in general provide some benefit to our health. Um, and so how do we find that balance realistically? You know, one of the arguments, again, with this avoid seed oil thing, because they are so easily accessible and because they are so cheap to make, they are in everything. So when we look at our processed foods, like if you were going to look at a box of crackers, I guarantee you it probably has soybean or vegetable oil in it. Um, if you're going to look at anything like that, anything that's prepared, chips, um, crackers, cookies, any prepared meals like hamburger helper type things, anything like that that might have fat in it, it's going to contain those polyunsaturated fats because they are cheap, they are accessible, they are abundant. And so I think the thing to remember is that, you know, if we are eating a lot of those foods, we probably are getting higher amounts of those omega-6. Um, maybe it is causing a little inflammation in our body. I think the other thing to consider too, Jackie, there's a difference between an inflammatory response and short-term inflammation and long-term inflammation, like chronic inflammation. Every single food we put into our body causes inflammation. That's our body's response to a foreign object entering our body. Our body's initial response is to fight almost kind of like be on alert, ready to attack in case this is something bad. So it does cause an inflammatory response, no matter what we eat, but it's that chronic inflammation that's the problem. And I think that's where it's really confusing for people, knowing the difference between the short-term natural healthy response our body makes to things versus the chronic inflammation and how, you know, these fats maybe play a role um, in it. I don't know if it, I don't know if those omega-6s cause chronic inflammation. I know, um, so I don't know, Jackie, do you want to expand on that? Do you have any? Well, <laughs> maybe what I was thinking about is inflammation. Often we think of arthritis because that, that is such a big thing. It happens to everybody at different times in their lives. Um, it's a part of the aging process. So when we think of inflammation and we think of arthritis, I have not seen a single food that's been proven to help arthritis. Mm. And I haven't seen a single food that makes arthritis worse. Um, arthritis can be, inflammation can be caused by, if I go run five miles, I am going to have a little bit of soreness in my muscles, that's inflammation. If I'm gonna go lift weights, um, I'm gonna have a little bit of soreness, maybe if I do a chest press in my arms, that's gonna be inflammation. And like you say, different foods create this in our body. Well, you know, it's very interesting, but trying to get down to that molecular level and look at exactly what the food is doing and what that inflammation means for our body, is it like actually running and having a little inflammation? We think of that as a positive because yeah, the muscle fibers are getting torn apart, but, and there might be even a little bit of swelling if you're sore, but then it's gonna go back, it's gonna be stronger and you are going to actually increase muscle mass. Okay. So when they're looking at inflammation caused by a specific food, 
it's so hard to tell, okay, is this a short-term inflammation that makes us stronger in the long run? Is it a long-term one that causes a lot of increased pain? Uh, you know, so there's lots of questions here. And while we are really, we're into science, we're into nutrition, we're into the nitty gritty of it. We love delving into this and looking at it. It really doesn't have that much importance mm -hmm. in our overall diet other than increased fruits and vegetables, whole grains, um, less foods that are highly processed. All yeah. that's going to increase your amounts uh, or the percentage of omega-3 fatty acids to omega-6. Right. So why don't we go over uh, omega-3s and omega-6s and maybe share like what some of the common sources are. So like omega-3 fats, if you're looking to increase this one, and I would say this is the one that we would recommend you increase, um, is going to be um, walnuts, flaxseed, what else is omega-3s? Um, tuna and fatty fish. Um, there, there's actually some omega-3s in egg yolks. The omega-6 fatty acids are typically going to be, again, those seeds, okay? So it's going to be the um, like sunflower, canola, soybean, um, anything like that. And so again, because we want that ratio of omega-3s to omega-6s to be higher, I would focus again on getting more or um, you know switching out maybe some of the fats you're using with those uh, omega-3 fats instead of the instead of the uh, omega-6s, because I think in the American diet, we just get plenty of omega-6s. If you go to a restaurant, you're probably gonna get omega-6. If you buy anything processed or packaged, you're gonna get uh, those polyunsaturated or omega-6 fats. And probably the number one source you've already mentioned of omega-3 fat, uh, fatty acids is gonna be fish. And so looking at a fatty fish, is going to have more omega-3 fatty acids than the leaner fish. So that would be like your salmon or um, any tuna. fish that's that yep, tuna, tuna that's dark in color. That yep. dark color indicates often a higher fat percentage. So those are the ones that are going to be really high. And, you know, so many times we talk about how good the Mediterranean diet is. Well, it's not really a diet and it's not really a very... A, a exact scientific kind of diet. It's just kind of the way the people eat in the Mediterranean. And um, they will often have a lot of fish. So they have foods that are high in these omega-3 fatty acids on a normal basis. I think in uh, the United States, in the agricultural areas in the past, when animals were more likely to be grass uh, to be grazed, mm -hmm. those animals would have higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids. Whereas when we grain feed the animals, they can have a little bit higher level of omega-6 fatty acids. So there are some nuances there and some differences, but I really don't think it's enough to make a difference. When we're talking about eating red meat, I don't know how often most people eat red meat, but the recommendation is like two or three times a week. And that amount of red meat, probably it's not going to make a difference in how much omega-3 fatty acids versus omega-6 fatty acids are in yeah. that meat. Yeah. So the overall thing is eating more fish, eating more whole grains, 
um, it's just very interesting to look at the difference between what's happening on a cellular level in our body and what's happening as we sit down at the dinner table and enjoy a meal. Because I said it before, but I can't stress it enough that stress in our lives cause inflammation. All kinds of stress, good stress, negative stress, exercises of stress, um, all these different things cause inflammation. So if you're sitting down at a table to enjoy a wonderful meal, you have a good relationship with your family or with the, the guests that you have there, your conversation is that that's uplifting and encouraging. And I want to say a life of gratitude too. All of that's going to reduce your inflammation. That is going to be way more important than whether your beef has a few more omega uh, six fatty acids versus omega-3 fatty acids. So, well, and beef in general, isn't a good, it's not a good source of either. Right. right. So I think the argument is don't go there to get your omega-3s anyway. Um, but anyway, okay. So, well, except that's what the grass fed proponents argument. Yeah. About. Yeah. That's their argument. It's not a really good source, even though that's what they're arguing. Oh, you should mm -hmm. eat this beef because it's higher in omega-3s. So you're correct. Right. Yeah. Okay, so why don't we, let's talk about the processing of it. So I think one of the arguments of the avoid seed oils, you know, people um, is that the processing of these seed oils is what makes them so bad for us. So Jackie, can you explain a little bit um, how, you know, processing or heat affects oil structure and how that changes? Yes. Okay. So when you've ever been to a fast food restaurant, if you glance over the counter and look in at the French fry, oil when it's really dark it's like that has a higher amount of trans fats so when you see a real dark oil that's been used a lot and who knows how often they change it that is going to have more detrimental effects as far as inflammation in the body than fresh oil. Like let's say the fast food restaurant has just changed the oil. They're cooking your French fries in oil that's very light colored and clear. Then that's not gonna have as many of the trans fats in it. And when you're cooking at home, if you um, ever use, start to cook with oil that has been, that starts to smoke, okay, you have reached, reached the threshold where the um, oils have started to, the fatty acids have started to change into a trans fat. So even if you use a fat that is zero trans fat, it changes. So that's kind of one of the arguments for using oils that have a high smoke point for frying. And many people who fry with olive oil are really not doing themselves a favor because it has a low smoke point and it's more likely to start to smoke and be changed to trans fats. So you've lost the benefit. So there's a lot of different things that we can do that we can look at. Um, I like to think of um, not really frying at all. Um, you know, maybe on occasion we might want to do that, but I don't like it smoking up my house and I don't like feeling the, the greasy feeling of frying. So I don't like frying for that reason. So I'm probably not going to be serving fried food if you come to my house. Yeah, that's so that's one thing. My son has been asking for a couple of years, mom, can we get a deep fryer? Can we get a deep fryer? And he's like, you know, all the fun things we could make at our house if we had this. And I'm like, you know what, honey, when we go out to eat, 
feel free to order all the deep fried stuff that you want. I'm fine with that. But right, I'm not going to cook it in my house. I hate the smell of it, right? I hate the mess, the cleanup of it. And I'm just not a proponent of encouraging fried foods. Like that's something that we eat when we go out. It's enjoyable. It's not something that I cook at home. So I, I 100% agree with you on that, Jackie. But I have a really good recipe that I'd like to share with um, our, our listeners for fish. And that is cooking fish in parchment. So you take um, some kind of like parchment paper or other paper that can be put in the oven or on the grill. You cut it in a circle, fold it in half. And then in that pocket, you put fish, add salt and pepper, a little bit of uh, thyme, whether it's fresh or, um, or dried. You can add then all kinds of different vegetables to that. Like uh, one fun activity for the family is to have all these vegetables in front of you and the family, each member gets to make their own. So one will put tomatoes and zucchini and a few onions on it. The next one like I don't like those ingredients. I like green beans and carrots and something else that they'll put on their fish. So then you close it up by folding it around, or I had a cardiologist who would actually staple it closed. But the traditional European way is to fold that parchment paper in a um, over so it's, it's closed. And then you stick it in the oven at about 400 degrees for 10 to 12 minutes. And depending on how many vegetables, you might need to increase that by five minutes if you have lots of vegetables in there, but put lots of herbs, lots of seasonings on it, and you're not adding much um, fat to it. And you can do that with fatty fish, you can do it with lean fish, just about any fish you can do it with. And sometimes people add like, um, like a couple of tablespoons of white wine or a little bit of olive oil too. Thanks for sharing that. Um... Okay, anything else about inflammation or seed oils? So why don't we just talk about the practical things that you can do? So like I said, um, most of our food supply is going to be really high in those omega-6s. So if, even if we think about salad dressings like ranch, um, you know, mayonnaise, things like that, all of those are going to have those seed oils in them. They're gonna be high in those polyunsaturated omega-6 fatty acids. Um, so we probably get plenty of those. So again, if we're going to be intentional about our fat choices at home, stick more to those monounsaturated or those uh, omega-3 fatty acids. So have more, you know, olive oil. If you're going to use to cook, you can do olive oil. Um, you can always add like flaxseed or chia seed to things. Um, you can, you know, sprinkle it on top of your, your oatmeal. You can bake it into cookies or breads. You can do any of that kind of stuff. Um, your walnuts, adding walnuts to yogurt is something that I do a lot. So, okay. So if we're talking about, um, decreasing inflammation overall, what are some other things we can do to decrease inflammation? So if we're going to decrease inflammation, it would be things like decreasing any kind of stress on your body. Okay. And, um, we want to separate that from a good kind of stress. Some stress like exercise is going to build muscle, but a lot of um, psychological stress is actually going to increase. And so I think when we talk 
from a biblical perspective of pushing back on the culture, there is not a single place in the Bible where it says to worry more. There's not a single place where it says stress out more. There's not a single place where it encourages any of these things. And if we can follow that, that will probably be the number one thing to decrease inflammation in our body. And secondly, in our food supply, we can think about decreasing inflammation just by keeping um, whole foods as close to how we get them out of the garden or out of the field as possible. And when we do eat processed foods, maybe that's a food that we eat in smaller quantities. Yeah. And I think adding things like uh, fruits and vegetables, like you said, adding those foods that are high in antioxidants that will help to offset any oxidative stress that is in our body is going to be beneficial. So those whole foods, um, our beans and legumes and our whole grains and our fruits and vegetables. If we eat a balanced diet that contains those, um, if it does contain things that do cause some oxidative stress in our body, it's going to balance out. And so we wanna, again, look at the big picture and make sure that we're just eating a wide variety of foods uh, to do that. So. Isn't that just a beautiful way that our bodies are created that we have, we naturally seek out, you know, a variety of foods in our diet, unless we're restricting. And when we're restricting, we might be leaving out entire food groups that are really important for fighting inflammation. Right. Okay. One last thing. Um, supplements. What are your thoughts on taking like an omega-3 fatty acid supplement or pill to get, you know, I do not take supplements and I don't ever recommend that for my patients, but let me say, if you are a person who wants to take an omega-3 fatty acid supplement, you need to really get some that are fresh. And the way you can tell whether they're fresh is you can smell them. If they have a fishy smell, they've already been oxidized and they're not going to oxidize the free radicals that cause inflammation in your body. So if you are going to use supplements, smell them. If they have kind of a neutral smell, those are fresh. And if they smell strong and rancid, like uh, how you would think kind of a fishy smell, then you want to say, okay, that's a brand that either they've been in my cupboard too long or they were on the shelf too long. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah, I've seen them. Um, you can get flaxseed oil or you can get fish oil ones. I've seen both. There's probably some combination ones too, but yeah, definitely, I think that's a good one. Now, I don't know if you can smell them in the store. They might be sealed, but if there's a date on them, um, I think as with any supplement, of course, uh, because they're unregulated, it's really hard to know what you're getting. Um, if there's a USP symbol on it, that means it's at least been tested and we know that's what's in there. But again, it's always better to get it from food if you can. If you cannot get it from food because you don't like the foods that contain omega-3 or you extremely, or you're allergic to them or something like that, then yes, I think that's probably a viable option. So, okay. Well, thank you so much for listening today. Again, you know how to find us if you have any questions and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Eat With Grace podcast. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode. We would love to have you leave a review or comment on our Instagram page. It's been great to share this time with you. And we pray that you have a grace-filled day.